Warning, the following episode of That Mental Ginger Show contains strong language and adult themes. Alright, trip. This episode of That Mental Ginger Show is recorded at Scuff Studios in Swanston Street, Glasgow. If you're looking to do podcasts, music, or any creative passions, these guys will have you covered. For more information, contact Scuff Studios at scuffed.studios.gla at gmail.com or find them on Facebook or Instagram and drop them a message. Scuff Studios, to nurture your creative passions. Hello and welcome to That Mental Ginger Show with your host Andrew Durning, aka The Mental Ginger. Well, my three faithful followers, this is going to be an interesting one. It's a ukulele player. And up until about two years ago, I didn't even realise the ukulele existed. Craig Gallagher. Craig, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Well, your follower count's going to go right down after me being on, so... I've been cancelled about six times now, so don't worry, mate. What is going to be all right? Seven, mate. We'll go for seven. Why not? Why not? I'm going for double digits. (laughs) Uh, Well, I want to make sure that everybody looks at this and goes, oh, fuck, what's he saying now? These absolute degenerates that are taking up their time, aye? Yeah, definitely. That's my life in a nutshell. (laughs) Well, that actually leads into the first question, because what I like to do is to get the guests to tell me about their origin stories, because... Everybody's got one. Right. So, Craig, in your own time, tell us your origin story. Right, well, basically, I'm Craig. I'm 26. I'm originally from the south side of Glasgow, and I originally trained as an actor at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland from when I was about five till I was 11. Mm. And then I started getting into music. I started playing the guitar because I started really getting into, like, Rush, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, listening to the classic rock music. Nice. So I started off originally acting and singing, playing like musicals and everything. Yeah. Done a couple of parts. I played um, Oliver Twist in like, the, the King's Theatre, I think, when I was a kid. Oh, nice. And, um, I've actually done Oliver twice. What, uh, the show? Casino. <laughs> and that's as casual. That was too easy, folks. Yeah, that was. That's as casual <laughs> for the seventh time. <laughs> but I, um, I was I was Fagin in both productions. You're vegan? Fagin, not vegan. <laughs> what? No, definitely not. I'm sorry, uh, mate. I'm really, really giggly at the minute. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm chalking up to that you're nervous and know that you're a prick. No, <laughs> no, yeah, one of them's true. <laughs> but we'll just let the audience decide which uh, one. Pretty eh? much, eh? Uh, so you went to the conservatoire when... Uh, no, it sounds poorer than it was. It was uh, but Before it changed to the conservatoire, it was called the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama. Believe me, I'm an old guy. Um, I remember that. Uh, I went there. I, was, like, I went there like, every single Saturday and everything, like doing like, the drama classes. Then I started learning about public speaking, started like, getting into my own confidence, like being on stage mm. and like basically just enjoying myself and being a tit on stage. Yeah, that's, I think, the reason why a lot of us do it is because we get to be maybe that person on stage yeah. that we can't be in real life. Um, yeah, it depends. Like, I think like when I'm like, on stage or everything, you're just like a heightened character of what you you are, I think. Mm. So I just I just take my madness with me and just bring it on stage. But mm. I, I think everybody's a little bit different in those types of eras. I'm just lucky because I am mad as a box of frogs. Well, that's something that we've kind of both got in common. Mm. Well, um, so tell me what about what more about your journey with what performance side of it okay well um as, 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 as i said i started when performing basically when i fell out the womb 
<laughs> so <laughs> I've, all, I've always I just, it's all I've really known just performing go to the kids uh, then when I was 12 I was thinking right I really need to learn an instrument because I can't really rely on my voice or my acting so I thought I'd have to like, learn an instrument so I started picking up the guitar when I was about 12 played that for a bit and then when I was 18 my girlfriend at the time mm. bought me a ukulele as a joke she's yeah. one of these little crap like uh, plastic black ones that you yeah. get for, like 15 quid from like Tesco or whatever. Yeah. Even if, I don't know if Tesco did ukuleles, but Not go, go, just go with that. Yeah, we'll just go with it. And then, <laughs> yeah, so she bought that for me, thinking it was a joke, and I actually ended up loving it more than her. <laughs> Brilliant. And then it just started taking off that. I started posting, like, covers on, like, inst- my Instagram, like, YouTube. And then when I was about 19 years old, like, I, I started to make, like, a little living out of it while I was on oh, my year out from uni. Nice one. Yeah. And then I went to uni, then all the self-esteem and all the mind-crushing anxiety that comes with that sort of really uh, made me... I stopped um, mm. sort of performing, thinking, oh, if I go to uni, I want to learn this craft. Mm-hmm. For the audience, if you're wanting to do something perform, if something performance-wise, do not study it, because it will just completely ruin your creativity. <laughs> well, what uni did you go to? Uh, I went to um, Chester Uni. Chester? Uh, I moved to Oof. Chester in 2016. I know, posh boy, I know. Uh, was it, did you move because you got at, in the uni? Or? I, I, basically, I got rejected for Napier in Manchester and like, Chester was my backup and they, they took me on. <laughs> Brilliant. I wish you had backups what, to kind of like, look at. I, what, um, I applied to uni and I got, I got one and that was it. Mm. And then I didn't go to uni. That's another story for another day. To be fair, I wish I didn't really go to uni. But at the same time, like, a lot of people do have the same... They have the same kind of things about like uni. I mean, we've had kind of guests on before, but what they went to uni and things have kind of it's just not worked. It's not worked yeah. out for it. What so? Why do you think it what had those bits of kind of problems for you? I think it's because I've just got trouble focus, trouble just sitting down in like a lecture room for like three hours a day. I think that was just like mainly my thing. Because like when I like to like learn, I like to like ha- I like to like visualize and everything. Like being a musician, I like to like play my instrument, be creative. But like sitting like mind numbingly. It's sitting in a mind-numbingly boring lecture. It's just basically that. That's just why I just realised I just didn't really fit in with uni and everything. Mm. I just can't sit still for long enough. Yeah. And there's just all the added pressures with uni as well as obviously trying to find work and everything, trying to get uh, figure out what you want to do in your own life. Because when you start uni, you're still essentially a baby. Like if you're in your early, early 20s and everything. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of growth that you have to do before you get to like the next level. And I think uni can help with that with people. Mm-hmm. But for people like me, it just sort of just created my passion. And then when I left uni, I just I became self-employed and started doing um, working in social media and music and mm. it's all ended up working out. Ah, so you're one of those influencers, would you say? Fuck no. What is, oh, oh man. No. Social well, media. You're saying you're making a living social out of social media. Yeah, you're saying they're making a living out of social media. Well, I mean, come on, like that's that's a, the way that they'll all be describing it. I know, I hate it, but I go just call me an influencer if you want. But I'm not a very good well, influence. You, well, you influenced your way to come on this show, so I think you're a pretty good influencer. Oh, I'm just a good talker, mate. That's it. <laughs> yeah, well, I can know that. I can be able to get a fucking word on edgeways. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know that mental Craig show. Like, yeah, well, season four. Let's that for it for next season. Yeah, that's gonna be the spin-off, that mental Craig show. <laughs> Well, and in fairness, like, I know plenty of mental craigs that I just, can get on No, with. just mental. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> well, you did uh, touch on, like, saying that you did have um, something, you know, mental. So if you're comfortable talking about it. I've had, like, I've 
I've had my fair share of like mental health and everything when I was younger. Um, it basically all really sort of started when my mum died when I was ten. Fucking she yeah uh, she died she died of cancer and everything. Usually when that sets in with someone so young, they either go one way or the other. They can either go the way I luckily did, that used that uh, used that all that grief and everything, try turning it into something like creative, mm-hmm. or just end up turning it into like an absolute degenerate. And where I'm from in Glasgow, Pollock. Mm. It was all, all around me. It was like it was like drugs, everything. It was just very easily, very easy, just to go into that sort of like cycle and everything of like drugs, like alcohol, mm. uh, addiction and everything. But I'm so I, I, I'm so lucky that um like mm. I turned out the way I did. Yeah, I'm mean, for being so honest about it. Sorry, yeah, it's not. What, what type of cancer did she have? Uh, she had leukemia. Leukemia. Because uh, my wife, she lost both her parents before she was 14, and uh, what got her mum was leukemia Yeah, as well. It's, it's, what, a, it's, a, it's a shit fucking disease. Yeah, because well, um, what well, Alison has told me kind of about some of the stuff that... Because this was also before I met her. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet her until like, she was 30. Uh, uh, so... What just hearing some of the stories about yeah, it, no, it, does, what, it does make it just it does make your toes curl and everything. It's, yeah. it's, uh, did she go for? I take it she went for treatment and stuff. Yeah, she yeah she had yeah she went through chemo and everything. That was pretty much like uh, what I can remember for most of my childhood. It's just like, and it was it was going back up and down to the hospital and everything for a treatment. And mm. she was also a nurse. I was raised by nurses. As well, yeah. so my whole life was like going up to like the hospital where my mum was on a split shift. Yeah, I'd drive up with my dad and then go back down like when they switch over shifts and everything. Yeah. So my life was very much like going to like hospitals and everything, even if I didn't need to go to the hospital because they worked in. It's it's fine. Like was it the was it the big hospital in Glasgow that she was in? Yeah, she was in Southern General. Yeah, because um, uh, uh, without a doubt, probably the worst hospital I've ever had experiences in. Yeah, that's that's where um, Alison's mum was, I think, mm. as well. But yeah, it's not. I'm really sorry that you did have to go sorry. through that. What about? So, I'm just sorry for making viewers cry. Sorry, no, guys. Don't, don't worry about <laughs> it. That's the whole point of this podcast is that we're talking about the things. Yeah, we have a laugh and we have right. a joke, but what I want to talk about the things that people don't feel comfortable mm. talk, what you know hearing. Yeah. What and if people are comfortable to talk about it, yeah. like like you have been and been so open, and I'm really appreciative. No, sorry, it. mate. What absolutely... it helps raise a bit of awareness because. Yeah. Bottom line, these things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, shit does happen, but you yeah. have to. It's uh, in this type of world, especially in like twi- in the twenty twenties now. That is literally a sink or swim. Mm-hmm. It's like you get. It doesn't matter if you're born like a millionaire or uh, in poverty. People are like we're all broken in the inside, mm-hmm. and we all we're all just trying to figure like, this life thing out. And mm-hmm. the people that have been dealt like a lost hand mm-hmm. have to work extra hard to get that. And mm. I think once they get to the end of that light, there's so much, so much validation that you get and everything, so much sense of accomplishment, thinking, right, I've been through this absolute horrendous time and I've seen the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think everybody should just try and keep striving for that, no matter how crap life can get. Man, you're so inspirational, you're going to fucking take my job in a minute. <laughs> I told you, mate, I'm working on the sequel right now. <laughs> Further out in the first episode, I'm getting WD back on again because he was sick. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, for anybody that didn't, uh, didn't have the illusion just broken for you. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, that's show business. Yeah, it's, it's what happens. It's what happens. <laughs> but, yeah. So, what? So, your dad basically raised you. What? No, my dad was a bit of a... Oh, God. He was, um, he was um, physically oh, yeah. and mentally abusive. See you next Tuesday. Mm. 
Okay, so and what? I was pretty much raised, essentially raised by my granny. Yeah. Really, my mum's mum. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, yeah, after, like, my mum died and everything, my dad was just, yeah, he was just constantly, even when my mum was alive, he was just physically and mentally abusive and everything. And the only compliment that he gave me to this day is that I remember, he said, oh, you might not be good at much, son, but at least you can make a good cup of tea. And do you know what? I fucking can make a great cup of tea. Oh, well, I can make a great cup of... <laughs> so thanks, Dad. Yeah. I can make a great cup of coffee, so there we uh... go. We've, well, we've covered both areas right there. <laughs> Well, Ed, to try and, well, we'll try and obviously keep things a bit light, but I do like... Oh, no, sorry, yeah. I, I, it sounds a bit serious when I'm saying I do like to hear about, like, what's oh, happened. absolutely. So I'm an open book, mate. I've got yeah. nothing to hide, so if you've got if, so anything else you want to ask, just yeah. go for it. No, that's fine. That's fine. But uh, one thing that we did talk about off air beforehand is you're a Star Wars fan. I know, Star Wars so much. Yeah. If Which anybody it, that knows me, they know I am... A Star Wars slot. Yeah. The irony is, like, when we were talking about it, we were talking about how oh, it's all it's all about family. Yeah. yeah your family, well, pardon my French, has been a bit of a fuck-up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is what it is. And I, I yeah. think that's why I like fantasy and everything so much and everything. Well, do you think that's it's like a, a bit of an escapism for yeah, you? Yeah, because I sort of relate to Anakin Skywalker a little bit. <laughs> You're like... Really, like my childhood, like, I just see like, everything that's happened to like, Anakin, how he turned to the dark side and became Vader. I'm like, mm, yeah, I could have done that as well. <laughs> so looking... I sort of related to that at like, a very, very young age. Yeah, you're looking at it like, I could have killed those younglings. Right, right, right. <laughs> In fairness, well, that wee actor was a, uh, you know, shite. But one, Jake Lloyd. Uh, oh, the Master Skywalker. Yeah, that, that one. one, that one. <laughs> There's too many of them. What are we going to do? You're uh, going to die. Yeah, apparently <laughs> apparently the reason he picked that actor to do that was because he looked like Anakin He looked like a, a young Anakin, yeah. So it was what? supposed to resemble of him killing his former self. The amount of metaphors in yeah, Star Wars, man. George crazy. Love George Lucas. Yeah, I think everybody loves him more, especially after the sequels came out. Yeah, we talked about that off screen. We did. Well, uh, talked, ranted. Like, thank God we've got cried, some... cuddled. Yeah, th <laughs> thank God we've got some soundproofing in this room. I think everybody would have heard it by I that know. point. <laughs> but, so we met through, um, you know, meeting through top talent promotions. Like, so how did you? Like, get involved with Top oh, Talent. Honestly, it's quite funny, actually. I was on LinkedIn looking for freelance work. And then it, <laughs> it just came up as a recommended, just saying Top Talent promotions. I was just like, I was starting just to get properly back into my music career or whatever. Mm. Just um, just like writing some things and muddling about. And then they I, they added me. We had like a video chat and everything. They mm. basically just sold me of like uh, sold me the idea of like we're all a family and everything. Mm -hmm. And who I did you joined... speak to? Was it Mark or Kirsty? It was Kirsty straight away. Kirsty. And then yeah. she was just like, "Oh God, you're Glaswegian. My husband's for Glas uh, Mark's for uh, Scotland as yeah, well." Yeah, he's a, he was a Carlook boy. Is he? Aye. Aye. What? Well, um, just say why well, he doesn't want to come back up. But well, in fairness. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, well, he lives in yeah, he lives in Cornwall now, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, well, living in the Cornwall. Uh, and uh, if you've watched uh, previous episode, you know I interviewed Kirsty. Well, and yeah, there were some interesting stories with that one. If you haven't watched it, check it out. Well, but yeah, so you kind of got involved with like, through that. Like, mm. Has any opportunities came about like through yeah. it? Because that's that's the whole point of like top talent. We're wanting to try yeah, and actually. get talent out there and help nurture them and yeah. grow them. Well, I'm currently working on my debut AP, which is hopefully going to come out in March. Oh, and nice. I'm working with uh, John Vivin. Oh, brilliant. John Val of John Vivin. Oh, have you been on his podcast yet? Not yet. No, I think because um, we're, we're working on the first single right now. And obviously he's doing his thing as well because he's like a, an amazing amazing producer yeah definitely so we're meeting up at this uh, just right now we're just meeting up every single week just like writing all the ideas down getting them all into like a sort of a format 
mm. and just basically just taking from there. And honestly, working with him is such a fantastic process. Yeah, he's such a sound guy. Yeah, isn't he, he just makes it. It's just like he's just got one of those. He's just got those vibes about you. It's like when you meet someone, you're just like right. I want to work with you and you just think you just feel so creative you feel like you can just start making like bloody statues with the guy and everything yeah you just feel so inspired and and, and just want to create one day they should make a statue of John I think they should actually well, I, I really think they should I, I, I'll they're like, they're like in Michelangelo's David kind of style like Right, definitely. So, what type of uh, genre of music are you planning on doing, well, or is it just going to be like, well, just collaborate and see how we go? Well, basically, I've got such an eclectic music taste. I can basically go from listening to the Hannah Montana soundtrack to listening to fucking <laughs> Cannibal Cops in the space of like a song. So, nice. right now, I've been mainly inspired by like, so like 80s music, so like, so like, so like sort of synth pop and everything. Yeah. I've been sort of like inspired by that and everything so like, oh, like, basically I don't know how to describe it so all the sounds and everything like and like Stranger Things all that type of yeah. thing it's like sort of like that but like it's completely different to what I've originally played because I've only really played ukulele music pop music and like rock and blues mm. so going down like the synth route and everything it's like completely really it's completely interesting to me because I've never done it before yeah. and I'm just excited just to see where it pans out but while we have the ukulele on the tracks yeah, yeah we've, we've got to have the ukulele yeah there's, there's one song that I've written I released it years ago, but I took it down because I just wasn't happy with it. And that song, that's a ballad. It's, that's, that's just going to be straight ballad on the ukulele and everything. And it's a love song that I wrote for my grandparents. Oh, brilliant. That's fantastic. So that should be there. Hopefully the EP will be coming out in March. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, well, the next time before that comes out, I can hopefully come on and play a few tunes for you. Oh, definitely. Well, um... Sorry, shameless promo. I have to... No, that's the whole point. Like, I'm wanting to give, like, uh, give the artists like, a chance to promote themselves mm. because one thing I learned is that I am shit at promoting myself. Yeah. Uh, like, and I think I'll, I think some performers are the same way. Like, they'll make the stuff, they'll have a great idea, they'll mm. think it's great, and then they'll be like, uh, how do you promote it? Yeah, uh, how do you promote it? Actually, it's, 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 it's so weird as well because I can do that. For, you can do that for other people, everything. Like, you mm -hmm. do it yourself. So, yeah, I'll promote you, no problem. But when it comes to your own stuff, you're just like, yeah, definitely. And even though you've done it so many times, but I think it's just like, I, I, does it come down to like the insecurities or just like then the subconscious, just like, oh, I don't know if I want to post this. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's just like the anxiety and everything speaking. Or... I think especially like, uh, in, what this is going to make me sound like an old fart, but um, I've been 90 since I was four. <laughs> what, uh, I think like the way the generation is now, mm. what you're so hesitant about what to say oh. and how to say it. Because you don't want to step on anybody's toes and you don't want to seem like you're being offensive when you're mm. not. Because I don't think anybody intends to be offensive. No, have you know, have you seen that thing about our generation and everything that we're we'll go to a rally and everything, we'll smash in a few police cars, but we're too scared to phone the doctors to make an appointment. That pretty much <laughs> sums up Gen Z in a nutshell. Oh, Ferris, I was the uh, I was uh, I'm the millennial. Aye. Wow, and we get such a bad rap. Well, as all generations do in fairness, I think that's the one thing all generations have in common. Everybody thinks we're shit. Mm. Well, it doesn't matter if you're Gen Z or millennial yeah. or like, a baby boomer. We're all broken on the inside. Never forget that. Yep, that's going to be your catchphrase. Like, that's what we're you should call broken. your album. We're all, we're, oh, bro oh, broken on the inside. Broken on the inside. Oh, yeah. well, that's, the, that's the B side. Yeah, float that past John Bun. He'll be like, and uh, uh, I don't think you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So aside from like, um, what the music side of it, which you're obviously you are really good at. Like, Thank I, you. I have because like, I, I do my, my my stalking. Your homework. Well, I call it stalking. Oh, or a juggle bug. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have a wee look through and 
Well, and I've seen like your Instagram what stuff as well. What and obviously Mark and Kirsty promoted yeah. you. What you, you've got you've got a skill about you. You've got a presence. Thank you. What and you're quite and you're really relatable. What to talk to. Well, it's one of those things that I was like I feel like I'd just be like right. I'm just gonna let him talk. I'm gonna have a fag. I'll just be like. Then mm-hmm. about yeah. nine hours later, I'm still probably talking about the exact same thing. Yeah. Just going round in a circle. Yeah, but at the same time, what you, I, what I don't want to switch off from Aye. you what because what it's like the way you present yourself the way you speak it's really kind of fascinating thank you I know that's a bit of a ramble but it does lead on to the question that I'm going to ask mm-hmm. but uh, going back on the stage for like the acting side of uh-huh. it have you considered going back on yeah yeah absolutely absolutely because the last thing that I'd genuinely done I was in a movie my scene got cut because it just didn't make any fucking sense. What do you movie know was it? Um, Starcash. Do you know who Douglas Sanakin is? Yes. Yeah, he was in. He played the window cleaner in Gregory's Girl. Yeah. I met him and everything. Like he was a very nice guy. I had. I think I had a pint with him. Oh, and nice. I, I was working. I was working in an art gallery at the time on my year out as well while I was doing my social media. So I we um I went for a pint and everything. They were all there, and then we just started talking. And it just they just asked if I wanted to be in the film. Yeah. And he literally just on the spot, Douglas, he just wrote the the scene for me. Yeah. And we we shot and filmed it in a, like a bookshop and everything. Yeah. But the scene just didn't really fit in the movie. You could just tell that he just wrote that scene for me. Yeah. So it was it was really it was really honour and everything. He gave me credits in the film, but like this, like since like that, I've always wanted to get back into acting. Yeah, that's a that's a bit of a kick in the balls though. Like, they asked you, they wrote a scene for you, they did it, and then they cut it. That's that's a bit of a part and part. It's a part of the business. Like it's it's constant rejection. If you constantly worry about the fear of rejection, you're not going to get anywhere. If you just go in there, just like all guns blazing, be yourself. It's a 50 50 chance. Yeah, it's like they're either gonna look, we're all like mad, yeah. The most important thing is, is if you want to just do something, just go and do it. Like, yeah. like even if you fall on your ass, like at least you can still say that you've done it and big build yourself back up again. Yeah. So, is he like maybe the most famous person that you've met, or is there other ones that, yeah? Like, I was supposed to, um, this is gonna get really alternative now. Do you know the emo band Sleeping with Sirens? Yes. I was meant to be working, this was years ago, I was meant to be working with their ex-guitarist, Jesse Lawson. Oh, nice. Yeah, but he, it was, there was a whole thing. He wanted, like, an obscene amount of money just to, like, write a few chords for me and everything. Really? Yeah, so it was like, it didn't really work out. I, start, I started doing a crowdfunding when I started, like, 2014, but <laughs> never got anywhere. Oh, but that's man. probably it. And um, uh, Bill Lemon, um, Lemmy's dad, I'm yeah. good pals with him. Bill, he's such a nice guy. Oh, nice. And... That's pretty much well, it. And try, just... try and see if you can get like Lemmy's dad to come on. Bill, like getting getting Lemmy on would be like uh, that's the one where I know Aye. I would get outshadowed. But getting his dad and getting some of the stories about what he's like when he's a kid—that's clickbait, right? Yeah, uh, Honestly, like, <laughs> I've not spoken to Bill in I, I, I want to say about a few years now, but like he'd be more than happy just to have a chat with you. Yeah, definitely. genuinely, he's just like one of those guys. Like um, he would just sit and have a paint, and he would just ramble for hours. And everything, just having a good laugh. Oh, nice. And Lemmy, I, Lemmy's pretty much the exact same. Lemmy, I've met Lemmy once or twice. Yeah. He's a lovely guy, again. Oh, just, nice just one. Just heart of gold. Oh, brilliant. Well, so, you've got the EP coming out. Right. Well, and then you're wanting to get back on the stage. Yeah. Well, what about uh, any other ventures that you might have lined up? Well, I worked for a renewable energy company doing the content creation for them as well. Oh, nice. So I was doing that. Um, that company's called Clean Our Ventures. Like, you should follow them. Like, I'll give you the links and everything. They're making, like, big moves and everything in the renewable energy sector. Nice. So I've been doing that, mm-hmm. mainly. 
And sorry, I just completely forgot what I just had <laughs> so, train of thought there. No, that's fine, man. That's the whole point. Like we uh, and we're not gonna cut it because right, well, it's okay. that's what make, happens when make you make me look more like an idiot then. Well, you're after my job, so I have to make you look like a bit of a twat. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, but it's that one of those true. ones that you what that's why I never edit any of the stuff anymore because what conversations don't always go. What there is points where you go. Oh fuck! I forgot brain what I was going to say there. I'm having a brain fart. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was the only one that ever heard of that brain fart saying. No. Well, I remember I wrote it in a, uh, a monologue for someone. Aye. Well, to perform, and it was about like uh, online dating and how it's shit. Yeah. Well, oh, I hate well, it. Yeah. I hate online dating. Yes. It's the worst thing ever. In my generation, we just seem to love it. I hate it. I'm like, I'm pretty much like an old soul. I'm like a, a hopeless romantic. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I want to. I, I believe like meeting like someone that love like in a pub or on a coffee, on mm-hmm. a coffee shop and everything or like anywhere. Yeah. Not meeting someone just by swiping right on the face. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Don't I hate it? It's just it. So I had to, I had to go on uh, to an online dating site and it was because uh, for movement class in college, Aye. one of the movements uh, things was about uh, about like, all these people that were kind of in their pods looking for love online and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So I went on and I just picked like the scummiest one I could find. <laughs> what and it was just like oh my god, this is so destroying. This is unreal. So obviously I used it as creative mm. material and yeah. wrote, and basically wrote a, uh, a script about women like in her forties or fifties and. What um, was who was trying online dating, and then eventually by the end of it, she's like, you know what, I don't need it. Well, I'm I'm fine. And the woman that was performing it for me, Carol Andrews, who is absolutely amazing, what uh, she looked at it and she seen the line brain fart. She's like, I've never heard of that before, but that's so good. Uh, and I was like, cool, why not? <laughs> but yeah, but no, what. Uh, the irony is, like, I fucking hated online dating, and uh, my uh, how I met Alison was that she added me on Facebook. Oh, well, uh, all comes full circle, doesn't yeah. it? Well, she was in uh, the NQ performing, and mm. I was in the HND, what finishing? So mm. she'd seen me in the show, what, and then so that so she knew of my existence, mm-hmm. what, and then she's like uh, looking through like Facebook and stuff like that, and she sees my picture, and I'd use like my headshot as a profile picture because that's mm. what you do when you're in the HND and you get a headshot, you just be a, be a wanker. Aye. And you're just like, oh, I'll just use my headshot as my profile picture. And she looked at it, and she, and this is her words, not mine. She said, I think he's quite dishy. What, and added me. And then one thing led to another, and yeah, here we are, like five years later. Two wins later. Two wins. <laughs> what, two for the price of one. Right. Well, that that certainly was a bog off deal. I uh, two wins the clinical depression. Haven't got that in you? Well, I'm not saying that there's uh, that it was directly involved, but there is parallels. <laughs> I'm, o- I'm only kidding. just coincidences, yeah, I definitely. But nah, if my kids are ever watching when they're older, Kieran and Connor, I'm sorry. You know, you, you know that I love you. You know I love you very much. Well, yeah, the reason that I kept going. Well, so we are starting to come up on time. And thank you so much for your time. No you've been anytime, mate. absolute you've been, pleasure. Yeah, you've been really, really interesting. Thank what, you. And I'll ask you the question that I ask uh, all my guests. Mm-hmm. If you could give advice to anyone that's suffering from mental health issues, what would that piece of advice be and why? Um, right. Sorry if I look at the camera for this. Four years, buddy. Right. If you're going to struggle, if your people struggle through mental health on a daily basis, please don't bottle it up because it just leads to worse situations. There are people out there. There are mental health helplines. There's your friends and your family. Even if they don't understand what you really understand what you're going through, people will be there to listen. And if they love you, they will be there to help you and care for you. So the next episode of that mental Craig show, because <laughs> he's just taking my fucking job. <laughs>
<laughs> that was uh, that was really brilliant, man. Like, like, that's such good advice as well. It's, it's just the it's just the truth bit. Yeah, it was the passion that you. Yeah, no, it's just it's just, it's just like I've been through a lot of shit, mm. and I hate seeing people my age, younger than me, or any age, going through some shit. So I want to use my platform and my voice to help people, like just become their better selves. Really. Yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah.